Welcome to the Bald Move Television Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for literally all of television. I'm your host, Aaron, and I'm Jim. And today we are uh, we're, we're 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 widening back out. We're not just talking about sharp objects. We're going to be talking about some Castle Rock. Uh, we're doing a wrap up podcast, feedback podcast for Sharp Objects. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit uh, about our thoughts on Castle Rock after we've seen the last two episodes, seven and eight. Uh, and then we will also be starting our coverage of The Deuce Season 2 on HBO starting next week. That airs this Sunday, September 9th. Uh, we'll have our podcast out that Tuesday like normal. Uh, before I get to the feedback, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on Sharp Objects or had done any additional reading. or um... Sharp Objects beyond the... Eight weeks of coverage that we already gave it. Yes, no. beyond the <laughs> no, I do the not. Eight hours of talking we've already done about it. No. Okay, well, let's get right to the feedback. Uh, Rich B said, "Just listen to the Sharp Objects finale episode. Uh, you may have already heard this from a lot of people, but Aaron mentioned Narcanon, and w- I wanted to point out that this is actually a Scientologist-run organization. Oh my God. L. Ron Hubbard had no qualifications to be treating people for drug abuse, and his treatment involved the taking mega doses of niacin and sitting in saunas. Harmless at best, possibly dangerous. Uh, you're right, uh, Rich. I got several people correcting me on this, um, and I guess that this organization has been involved in mysterious deaths of people, too. Um, it's, it's, but it is, it does, it's a front for Scientologists. My, the organization I was thinking of is Narcotics Anonymous in a, Mm -hmm. uh, which Rich said is a much more legitimate organization. Uh, if Aaron got the names confused, it's not surprising because that's exactly why the Scientologists picked that name. So it would be confusing. So do not seek out (laughs) Narcanon unless you want diagnetics shoved up your ass and, and a free e-meter reading. I but. mean, you see this as a slip of the tongue, which I see that as uh having been seated for years and years and this is finally the turning point where Aaron pivots from <laughs> podcaster to religious yeah. cult leader. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to try and spin off his own branch of Scientology. Well, as a. Ron I'm, Hubbard. I'm actually the illegitimate bastard child of L. Ron Hubbard, right. A. Ron Hubbard, and I have waited <laughs> eight years to pivot uh-huh. this podcast into an actual cult. I'm taking it back. Miss Cavage has been mis mis miscavaging <laughs> things. Tom Cruise is already getting old and showing signs of cracks. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing us back to the basics. I'm buying a big fucking boat. I'm signing people uh-huh. up to the immortal contracts in the Navy. We're going to sit in saunas. Or we're going to eat a shit ton of bananas and take niacin. And we're going to live in a beautiful paradise completely free of thetans. This is our beautiful future battlefield earth right but if that doesn't sound good you just want help with uh just broad spectrum any kind of like uh you know dealing with abuse and support for, of, of, of family members going through addiction or narcissism or man by proxy uh look into narcotics anonymous uh so thank you for that correction that's a very very important <laughs> correction it sure is if we had no other feedback i'd probably come back just to read that one because fuck me i don't want people People uh, wandering in, not not knowing what's what. All right, on to some substantive uh, feedback. Angela T. wanted to give her thoughts and interpretations on a few things we said regarding the finale episode. She mentions that she did read the book, but even in the book, not everything was tied up with a bow at the end. Although I got to say, after I've read a bunch, it does seem like it's a lot more tied up. Um, 
Adora, in her opinion, had to know she was poisoning the girls. In the hospital room scene, Detective Dick said that Adora had rat poison, antifreeze, and prescription medicines in her kit, just to name a few things. Um, That seems pretty damning. Well, you don't put rat poison in something and go, oh, that's poison? Oops. But, like, I mean, I don't know anything about Manchowsons by proxy that I haven't seen on television, all right, Mm -hmm. or seen in a movie or some dramatized. I will say that I've had people with a straight face argue that canola oil is poison and will kill you, and Uh also that the active ingredient in Splenda is rat poison. The... And that's just a trick. So, like, when you talk about, like, people that don't understand chemistry or deeply ignorant and they're just like, well, it's the pinch of the rat. Like, like you know, Jesse putting chili pee in meth. Like, it's 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 just a, it's the, the little pinch of the rat poison f- makes your system flush out the toxins. It triggers the toxin. Like, I could see someone talking themselves out of that. Or into that and, and, and thinking they're doing medicine when they're actually killing their child. And at the same time, I'm completely unwilling to let them off the hook for that in any oh, way. right. Even to say that they know. Right. Even to say, oh, well, maybe they didn't know. Though they fucking know because it's poison. Uh, this is shit that you put in your fucking car, not you put in your children. Right. Uh, you get no sympathy for me for that. No. I Zero. Mean, I, get, I guess I'm not saying sympathy. I'm just saying, you know. I yeah, mean, you, you don't even get the benefit of the doubt. I'm sorry. You don't. <laughs> All right. Jim Jones taking a strong You don't. You, you pull, you're killing your children. Why would I give you any benefit? What, what do we do when, I mean, I, this is something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, what do you do with mental illnesses that I guess you just lock them up in like a psych ward, right? Like, like I, sure. I, feel, I do feel sympathy for people that have a mental illness that causes them to act out in terrible ways. Some of those terrible ways, including killing your children. But on the other hand, you got to keep those people safe, or, or locked up safe from themselves and from the public, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you have to keep them out of the situations where they can engage in the behavior that they're inclined to engage in. I mean, it's like any other any other like mental illness, even if you're yeah. not like actively harming your children or whatever, you kind of keep people out of situations where they could do damage to themselves or others. Because, yeah, even there's a form of treatment that was effective at like psychological treatment that's effective as a cure. Like still you're rolling the dice that like that person's going to keep on the therapy or I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. That's uh what do you do with the quote unquote criminally insane? Uh, yeah, Arkham Asylum, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so anyway, uh, Angela on your on your wa- wagon says I've heard of uh, mothers with Manchausen or Munchausen because uh, I got a correction on the the pronunciation of Munchausen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's I'm I'm doing a Manchausen. I think that's more of an accent than a mispronunciation, but still, it's Munchausen. I've gotten caught for still poisoning their kids while in the hospital. They would put things in IV tubes or even put a pillow over their head. Well, now there, that's <laughs> that's not medicine. That's well, there's some reaction with the cotton in the lungs. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's euthanasia, but uh-huh. it's not. It's not. It's not medicine. Uh, she says. Also, as a side note, you can watch the HBO documentary "Mommy Dead and Dearest" uh, for more uh, information about this. Which I might. I might. I might. I've just been talking a bunch of ignorant shit about man- Munchausen. I ought to watch that documentary. Um, Danielle M. from Charleston, North Carolina. This is the rare instance where I enjoyed a series or a movie more than the book. I'm a librarian, so you know I don't say that lightly. <laughs> Sharp Objects was my favorite book of uh, Flynn, so I'm happy this blue go- Gone Girl out of the water. Me too. Me too. 
Uh, a few thoughts I'd like to share. I know how much you like discussing Alan. He's basically brought in to marry Adora to save her from the embarrassment of being an unwed mother and was from a wealthy, quote-unquote, good family. I doubt there's ever uh, a lot of love there from Adora while he is so devoted to her. I thought it was interesting that his character plays the typical female role found in this kind of story. We don't really know his thoughts and motivations. He's just sort of quietly complicit in the background while the females in the family get all the backstory and attention. An interesting reversal of gender in this genre and done purposely by Flynn as she is telling the story of generations of women here. Um, that's interesting because it's like... She's like a lot like Lysa Aaron, Aaron from Game of Thrones. Like she's this young girl married off to this guy, and she doesn't really love him. But this guy, you know, yeah, it's, it seems strange to me because look, we live in a patriarchy, right? Still, yeah, yeah. So like, typically when that situation occurs, it's because somebody in the relationship doesn't have a choice, and it's almost never spoiler alert the man. Yeah. So what caused Alan to get into this relationship in the first place? She's if there's a prize. never any love. But if he's from, like, a rich house... Uh, rich house, I'm talking about, like, fucking Game of Thrones here. Uh, from, if he's from, like, a rich family, uh, he... Like, where where is the incentive for Alan mm. in the this whole house, fucked up scenario? House Calhoun, we poison our children. I, maybe, yeah, maybe he's fucked up in that way. I think that, like, because... As I as I read a lot of stuff in um, and I might I might be lightly stepping on some feedback here because I also read a bunch in my own time. Um, some of these were articles or people recommended me, but like Adora is like the royalty of town. Like she descends from the Calhouns that the Calhoun days. Uh, she also is involved in the Preakers because I think the hog farm is Preaker farm. And so she also not only is as town royalty, but she's also the largest employer of the town. Mm-hmm. Um, that mansion is hers. That's not Alan's. So, right. like, I think it's it's a little bit little, like Littlefinger marrying into the the Aaron family. You know, like it's, uh, and and I don't know. I can see yeah. a guy thinking like, well, I got this, uh, I got this teen. Uh, like 18, 19 year old in a rough spot and I can save her family honor and she'll be super fucking grateful and we'll live happily ever after. And then this happens. I mean, fuck, I don't know. Like that all, all that arrangement stuff seems just profoundly creepy and antithetical to any kind of way I want to live my life. So it's really, it's easier. It's actually easier in Game of Thrones because the whole fucking world is so far away and in an alien world with alien <laughs> seasons uh-huh. that it's like a lot easier to just kind of rash. Oh, yes, yes. They're just, uh, they're, they're clearly trading that woman for an army and everything's cool with it. Something set in the 21st century is fucked up, man. For sure. Yeah. It's fucked up. I, I do think ultimately you're, you're right. The emailer is right there. Alan is not the point here. Um, Alan is there kind of just as background dressing in, in most ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he's not the focus of the story. Therefore, we don't need to know much about him. I mean, I, I have many, many questions, but who cares ultimately? Yeah, the thing that made I think the thing that made Alan interesting is that he knew what Adora was doing and was not unmoved by the implication, like because it clearly seemed that he really loved his daughters. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't willing to buck Adora like that whole, well, this is after he says, okay, come on, can you not kill our daughters? Mm -hmm. And then she's like, well, I really like killing them. And then he's (laughs) like, well, this is your area. Like that's such a profound abdication of your duty as a parent. Sure. Like, 
I get it that you love your wife and you love your husband, but if your wife is killing your children, you're supposed to kind of love your children more. Like it's a biological evolutionary imperative. To, 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 it's not just like a smart thing to do. It's hardwired into us that we protect our progeny. So like betraying that is fuck. I mean, like again, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to, to, to wrap my, my head around it. Um, I don't know. Uh, she continues in a not in the novel. We don't see Richard again beyond the final showdown at the house. He is so repulsed when he finally sees Camille naked with her scars and does not know how to pr- truly process how huh. messed up she is. And repulsed? This, yeah, that's yeah. weird because I didn't get repulsed from that scene. I got almost like kind of an understanding. Yeah. Well, I wonder in the books, I bet there's not a whole bunch of Richard running around investigating her past. I bet that there because like it seems like the book Maybe. is much more Camille as a POV character. Mm-hmm. So like they probably added that so they could a little humanize him because if 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 he hadn't done that investigation and he just comes to this uh, hotel room and he sees her naked and having sex with 18 year old and she's got scars all over her body spelling out these words. I mean, I'm not saying it's It'd be cool. surprising. <laughs> I'm not saying it's cool to say you're a drunken slut and slam the door on her and never see her again. But uh, I can understand the emotional, visceral reaction to that whole whole deal. Like it's messed up on a variety of levels. I thought we had her. I thought we had something. You know, you were like shy about showing me your body. Now you got this 18 year old that's a sus. That's a prime suspect in a murder, and you're naked. It was like I, you know. Um, again, I'm not saying it's all cool and healthy. I thought the whole relationship was terrible and probably going to end in disaster, and it seemed like it did. Um, let's move on to Audrey T. said, I binge-watched Sharp Objects along with your podcast, and I just finished up Sunday night. Well, I thought it was a great show. I agree with Aaron and my disappointment that Adora turned out to be a Munchausen mom, as I feel like it took away focus from her equally as dangerous and more commonplace affliction of narcissism. My best friend growing up had a narcissistic mother, much like Adora, and while there are more muted versions of the characters, I see a lot of Camille in my friend. She's probably the healthiest she's ever been, but she still spent her whole adult life struggling with self-harm, addiction, and just plain bad decisions she tends to make, despite being one of the smartest and most self-aware people I know. The Munchausen reveal also distracted from the major issue that I thought was the primary source of Adora's disdain for her daughter, the fact that Adora seemed to have Camille as an unwed teen. Well, not expressly spelled out, you can glean this from snippets in the show. In the first episode, Camille tells her editor that her mother married Alan Crellin over 30 years ago, making him Marion and Amma's father, but not hers. The hog farm, however, is called Preaker Farms, which is clearly owned by Adora. In the Calhoun Day episode flashback during the photo shoot, we learned that the ivory floors were a wedding gift for Adora's great-great-grandmother, which means she inherited the house through her own family and not by marriage. The same scene you learned that her mother's maiden name was Calhoun, which in turn makes her father a preaker. Later, Adora blames Camille for making her feel like a failure in front of her mother when Camille refused to nurse. She told Camille, you make me feel like a child, to which Camille responded, you were a child. Uh, also, and I was a baby, you bitch. Um, <laughs> all of this, plus Adora's overall need to appear perfect to everyone, made it clear to me that Adora cl- cast blame on Camille for the shame of being a teen mom. The father of whom we all hear about is a uh, is that he is spiteful and did not stick around. While Dora does go on to marry, have legitimate children, and keep her status as Queen Bee, Camille would be a constant reminder to her that uh, all that Adora was not perfect, and despite her best efforts, this was a self failure that she could not ignore. I mean, that's that's there's like there's two types of narcissists in my understanding: the like grandiose 
and then like the wounded narcissist and they have a lot of the same behaviors but the core sense is different like the grandiose narcissists think they're god's gift and they're perfect and any little flaw is like very hostilely dealt with and i felt like that's adora like camille is her living reminder that she isn't the perfect snow white queen of the town that she wants to portray for herself and her daughter uh amma uh, I feel like this is a much more realistic reason for Adora's behavior towards Camille, much more so than Camille refusing to take her medicine. With the man, uh, Munchausen plot, however, all this was swept under the rug, which I feel like is a big shame as it robbed the story of going in deeper to a plot, which I felt was much more relatable. Um, I mean, you know my feelings on the matter. I, I thought I was a little disappointed that it, it, it turned into that thing, too. Uh, what do you think, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't think it needed that at the end to be a satisfying story. And I'm, I'm not going to say, Oh, it shouldn't have had that because like ultimately I came out of the series really having liked the show. Uh, but I, I do see how they kind of, it, it kind of almost shortcuts everything that they need to do to have this blow up between Camille and her mother. Right. Yeah. Like there could have been a much more subtle exchange here where, that they you know camille trades some sort of insightful psychological blows with her mother Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to just saying hey you're essentially the most evil person in this entire town for various reasons not least of which is killing your own children right it does add like just a, an enormous enormous cherry on top that kind of drowns out the rest of the sunday right like 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 Adora is not authentically hateable or like, uh, I'm kind of on the border about whether Adora is a terrible mom. Oh, oh, she poisoned her children. Oh, yeah, she's definitely terrible. Right. It almost seems like the easy way out. Right. From a writing standpoint. And I, I mean, one of the reasons I guess I got worked up about it is because I've my whole life I've struggled with when I tell people, you know, like, like, you know, the, the, it, it's very unusual for a child to not have natural affection for their parent. Um, it's not unusual at all for the children of narcissists to have a lack of that natural affection because that natural affection was never shown to them and was, was, was never there. It was always weaponized and used as a, a cudgel, a cudgel. Um, mm-hmm. But when you tell people that, there's a, a shocking amount of people that want to just dismiss your feelings like, oh, well, no, you can't feel that way about your mother. You, you're going when, well, if you don't patch this up before they die, then you're going to always feel regretful about that. And right. Like, I need a better reason to have an est- a strange relationship with my mother than the fact that she's been terrible to me my entire life and has never given me <laughs> unconditional love, not once, uh-huh. and has given me a host of weird psychological and emotional issues. Like, that's that's not enough. Like, she needed to, like, lock me in a closet with poisonous snakes, or she needed to, like, give me Drano enemas, or she... Like, no, fuck that. You know, there's lots of different ways you can neglect a child. Yeah, Absolutely. Let me let me throw something out there that might muddy the waters a bit, but maybe provide some more perspective. I love muddy water. Uh, I got my survival straw. What if Jillian Flynn set out to tell the story of a woman with Munchausen by proxy? Mm. And in order to do that, she had to convincingly portray someone who is mentally damaged. Like the narcissist is the explanation for the man, man Munchausen exactly. by, prox, pro, by proxy, and and that's the story that she actually wanted to tell. Huh? 
So everything else was just so that a person would understand, huh? How I, someone could get from mother to murderer. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, I mean, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I, 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 I mean, I haven't, you know, this is just me giving my statement without any kind of education or thinking on a matter, but I guess it wouldn't surprise me if all Munchausen moms were also narcissists. Like, there might have other things too, but like the idea that you're killing your child to get a- attention for yourself and to get sympathy for yourself seems like it's one of those core morbid, you know, symptoms. Like there, you mm-hmm. can't have one without the other. Like like a like a well-adjusted parent that would just like one day decide, you know, I'm not getting enough attention in my life. Instead of like getting my nails done or getting my hair yeah. done or getting a new dress or. <laughs> you know, learning a new hobby, I'm going to start poisoning my child because uh-huh. that that seems pretty fucked up. No, it seems like you have to have a, a pretty fucked up outlook on everything to get there. <laughs> now, I did see in my reading about the novel, one thing that I thought was kind of... The, the one thing that I thought was interesting and was not hinted at all in the TV series is uh, I guess in the books, it's heavily implied that Adora's first victims by poison were her adult parents themselves. Okay. Because she hated them and they were like in poor health and under her care. So she mun- she munchoused them up. She munched them. She mun- Yeah. Yeah. Like you munched them right you up. You think I can't nurse right? You old bitty? Well, here's some here's some rat poison in your your sleepy time tea. Hmm. I guess that wasn't anywhere in the show. Yeah, and there's also, like, I guess hints that Joya, her mother, was also, you know, um, like like Jackie said, she was guilty of over-mothering them, which is kind of like, if you read between the lines and you look at the rest of the family history, it might be that she, you know, did that same, that, that, that same men, Munchausen stuff. I thought hmm. that was, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, I might, I'm not, I'm, I, I didn't come away from the series having a burning desire to actually read the book. Especially since I've heard from, uh, you know, multiple sources that like the series maybe was not exactly better paced, but it's just so well done and so creepy and so horrific. Mm-hmm. Now, it's it's interesting because like this is um, I did a lot of reading about The Little Stranger over the weekend, and um, I guess that it's the complete opposite situation that the book really worked well. <laughs> okay. Because like the, the problems that we talked about that movie where the fact that this guy is in love with this house is clearly rotting around him. Mm-hmm. Um, that in the books, when he described it, you never really get the idea that like it is falling around that like you get huh. his idealized version of him seeing it through. So, like, a lot of stuff that build the psychological dread and stuff, and a lot of things are much more mysterious about whether something's paranormal or something is not paranormal until the very, there's, like, a very end reveal. Um, but, yeah, like, this seemed like the opposite, where this person took this, I mean, the bones of sharp objects in the book sound like they're really strong and very interesting, and there's a lot of a lot of great stuff in there. But, like, making, giving Alan a little bit more ca- uh, color to his character, um, you know, giving... Uh, uh, the, the 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 Calhoun Day Festival that was essentially a whole a whole episode just devoting to building tension in the audience. It seems like they did a lot of things right as far as the pacing and characterization and just I just I don't know like this fucking show is easily top three things I've seen this year. Like when yeah, I'm thinking really good so far this year. 
I've really, really liked, uh, like the, uh, I thought Expanse season three was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that this, this, uh, see this, 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 this mini series, Sharp Objects was, was really phenomenal. Man, I just had a third one, uh, that I was going to, that, that, that it was, uh, oh yeah, it was the uh, season eight B of The Walking Dead. <laughs> okay no I, it was westworld season two right no because that was like it was a lot but there's man there's i know there's something that we were watching and doing commentary on that i just really was 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 tickled with and i was it was kind of a surprise i don't know i'll think about it uh, come baldy's time uh but yeah i think i don't know if that'll wrap up our sharp objects uh coverage because like i asked a lot of questions about you know different things in manchowson that maybe people will or Munchausen, rather, maybe people will 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 write in uh, because we're going to continue Bald Move TV, obviously, through uh, the season season two of the Deuce. Uh, before we get to the meat of the podcast, want to do some housekeeping. Uh, don't forget, we are covering Better Call Saul and AMC season four. Uh, we're about halfway through. I think we're exactly halfway through the series now. Uh, and also, don't forget that uh, we have two podcasts for that: the Instant Take podcast and the regular. And a new feature for club members, or you are, can participate live on the Instant Talk part portion of that podcast. Check that out on BaldMove.com. We're also in the home stretch of Game of Thrones. We only have, I think, two episodes left of season three. Sounds right. I should mention that. Not the home stretch. You haven't missed anything. We just came back to do a summer rewatch of it. Having a lot of fun. It's one of the great se- seasons of uh, Game of Thrones television. Last week, we saw The Little Stranger for a first-run movie. Uh, a gothic horror film that didn't quite live up to the horror part of our expectations. This week, we're seeing The Nun, uh, which uh, I will say that the trailer jump-scared me uh, <laughs> successfully. So uh-huh. I've got a lot of high hopes for that. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday and Thursday. Jim and I go to twitch.tv slash baldmove, and we have been of late watching classic or trashy 80s and early 90s films from our our, our youth. Uh, today we're going to be watching Lawnmower, The Lawnmower Man, or is it Lawnmower Man? Uh, hmm. there, I think it's The Lawnmower Man. Or is it Lawnmower sure. Men? Are there just definitely men one mowing man. lawns? I. No, one one mower, one man. Uh, we're also starting this weekend our coverage of season two of The Deuce, uh, the latest by Di- uh, uh, David Simon of The Wire fame. Uh, that's what's going on this week at BaldMove.com. I want to take a little break here to talk about a club, the club, the club, club. Uh, any bald, club, a random club? Not any any club, club.baldmove.com, uh, because it's how we pay the bills around here. Uh, we're advertising ourselves. If you go to club.baldmove.com, there's a ton of features you get by joining our club, uh, ad-free feeds, bonus content, both audio and video, um, VIP access to forums. You can try many of those features for free just by going to club.baldmove.com and looking. And you can try the entire club for 30 days free by signing up. Uh, it's what keeps Bald Move moving. It keeps our lights on and our bits flowing. Uh, we appreciate your help and, and uh, hope you enjoy the special features by going to club.baldmove.com. Do you want to now talk about Castle Rock, the yeah. Hulu uh, miniseries? It just got renewed for season two. They've already they've already picked it up. They have uh, these last two episodes. Episode seven involved um, Henry Deaver's mom and her. I keep on saying unstuck in time because I feel like that has become a deal now. Like mm-hmm. that is like. I've seen it in Westworld. I've seen it in Sharp Objects. I've seen it in Mr. Robot. Like that is definitely a a technique, like a, like a, almost a stream of consciousness technique that filmmakers are using to just 
um, unbalance people and 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 make a story uh, that it, hopefully make a story more interesting in the telling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, episode eight was a, more, a return to a more conventional story where you were dealing with the aftermath of that. Uh, did you did you enjoy uh, watching Henry's mother struggle with her setting in the universe and and did you enjoy how they revealed details about Henry's father and some of the more fucked up elements of the the town they live in or how how did these uh, two episodes sit with you yeah i think episode 7 uh might be the best episode of that series yet i agree uh episode 8 was also good but not quite as good as 7 i think the way that they kind of and i have still some questions about it obviously we're supposed mm-hmm. to uh, but I think the way that they constructed the the reveal of the kid and who mm-hmm. he may or may not be uh, was was pretty well done mm. through through all of the flashbacks and the stuff with, you know, Henry and and the husband slash father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his name's Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, the way they played with time and or mental illness in that episode. Mm hmm. Because that's the thing, you still don't know whether the deaf guy and you know Henry's father are on the side of angels or devils or yeah. I mean, it's... there's definitely like a, at least I perceived a connection between the thing that they hear in the woods that Henry mm-hmm. and his and Matthew hear in the woods, uh, and the stuff that uh, sorry not yeah young Henry mm-hmm. and his father hear in the woods, and then the stuff that older Henry is hearing, you know, in present day, right? Yeah, that's what's weird the schisma, is schisma or whatever they call it. Yeah, is that is there a genetic component to that? Because we found out that Henry's uh, son yeah. has now developed it, or is it just a, so. is it just a proximity to the boy, or this town, or the town uh, itself? Yeah, I I don't know. It's a good question. But like um, Sheriff uh, Fanghorn uh, Allen, yeah, he didn't have it right, and nor did the warden. Doesn't seem like it. No, so. What I mean to me, there's an obvious dichotomy here about the people that are hearing this buzzing noise and are hearing the voice of the transmission from God or whatever it is, and the people who don't. And it seems like the people who do are kind of on board with like, you know, the boy or and 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 whatever he's doing in the universe, and the ones that don't are actively trying to suppress it. That suggests that there is a side that's good and a side that's that's evil. Um. But I don't know, because it does also seem like wherever the boy goes, death and destruction follow. Yeah. Uh, he, you know... And whether he's the cause or he's trying to fight against it and just, you know, he's going to where the trouble is. He's doing a shitty job of fighting it. He absolutely is, He yeah. might be a witness to something. Like he's sure. uh, yeah. like, like, like like a person that's a, that's a supposed to be just witnessing and scribing this, this epic struggle between good and evil. But, like, I, I, I don't I don't know. And I don't know why... I don't know why um, Henry's mother saw him as Matt Deaver, his father, like, mm-hmm. and, and ended up stabbing, you know, thinking she's stabbing him and actually stabbing uh, Fanghorn to death. No, she shot. shot Alan. Oh, death. right. Shot yeah. him. Right. Shot, sorry. Yeah, I thought she thought that he was coming in. Yeah, I, I mean, I read it as maybe this is some incarnation of Matthew mm-hmm. uh, from the past, which I know that the ages don't line up but right. i don't necessarily think that rules it out yeah because uh, it, it does seem certainly that she at least believes that he is yeah i and then this this idea of like hey i've been waiting for you for 27 years when he's right. talking to henry and like I, that. I got you out of basement yeah yeah and they they showed 
I mean, we've heard several people tell him that that, that, that make the statement he hasn't aged. But when we see the paintings that the uh, uh, the warden had made. We see Henry C. find one from 1991, which is the year he disappeared, and the guy doesn't seem like he's changed a bit. Yeah, I will say that episode seven I thought was the, by far the best episode. You know, mm-hmm. Sissy Spacek uh, is really good, and she's essentially carries that entire episode. And it was innovative and absorbing uh, in a way that the other episodes haven't quite been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then episode eight, I thought, was a return to kind of like the baseline. And this is just my opinion, folks. <laughs> Please. It's my subjective opinion. Oh, you are allowed to disagree. I'm allowed to disagree. I think that overall, this show is a little bit mediocre for me. Um. And yeah. it's it's I've walked away with a much more I've walked away from this series so far with a much greater appreciation for what Noah Hawley is doing with the Fargo universe because King and Abrams are literally just remixing King stuff mm-hmm. like to the point where it's striking me. It's humorous. Like as soon as, um, you know, Jackie Torrance. Yeah. <laughs> corrects this dude with the knot with, with about his his the proper axe that he should be wielding and the axe maniac i said to cecily i bet she ends up axing somebody mm-hmm. and it happened in that very episode it's just like it's like you've got the stephen king shaped puzzle and you're just putting you're just snapping the pieces together in different and it, it it's oddly like Rob, because I kind of know where things are going. Like this is broadly going to be The Shining, and this is broadly going to be, you know, there, I'm, I'm, there, there's a Randall Flag type character, and is and like it, it just feels like it's predictable in the way that the that the the Holly Camp remixing the Cohen Brothers stuff isn't, and maybe it's because the Cohen Brothers themselves are not involved. It's hmm. like someone's interpretation of the feeling that they got when they like the emotional tones and the places. Whereas Stephen King and Abrams are literally just taking parts and mixing and matching them. I I read somewhere that Stephen King is not involved. Oh, is in it really this? literally it's a Cohen like type deal? Or yeah, just like I, the Cohens are executive producers. I don't know if that's true. I just read it somewhere. Huh. I think it might have even been just on our forums. Uh, but yeah, I I understand what you're saying, and I don't think that this is like a plus level top tier television. Uh, I think that it does get a little. Uh, silly's not the right word, but no, but it's I, somewhere between like silly and just uninteresting. When they <laughs> in places did, when they brought out those drab acrylic dozens of acrylic paintings of who I already consider a silly figure, the kid. The kid <laughs> okay. does not read. The kid does not read menacing know, and like creepy it. to me. He reads yeah. gangly and weird. Like he, you know what it feels like? It feels like I'm watching a scary movie. Uh-huh. You know, like like the parodies of yeah. the scary movies. And like this is like if there was a genuinely creepy the kid character, they would cast and dress this guy and wardrobe to be the pastiche jokey version of the kid. Mm-hmm. And when I see this goofy looking dude in all these shitty acrylic paintings is all over the house. I just was I just <laughs> start giggling. And then and like and I guess that like I, I see that my wife. Um, really enjoys the show and she's a much bigger Stephen King fan than me. Mm-hmm. Like her and her mom really share that as a passion. I've enjoyed the Bachman books. I've read a few Stephen King books. I've tried to get into the gunslinger series when the gunslinger movie came out, the dark tower movie. Um, and it, I, 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 but I'm, I'm not as big of a fan and I know your girlfriend's a super 
yeah. super fan of Stephen King, and you said that she's enjoying it. She I wonder if your enjoyment of it directly relates to how plugged into that culture you are. I mean, I think you'll get more out of it, certainly. Because um, I, I do think there's a certain pleasure in seeing those remixes, you know? Right. Like, e- even if the remixes don't hit for a general audience, the remixes right. will be there to to kind of say welcome home to the yeah. Stephen King fans. Right, right, right. And, and that's cool. Like, I, I don't have a problem with that. I love it when, you know, Stranger Things is one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite shows, and it does that all the time. Sure. It just makes me feel good, you know? But uh, uh, there again, I'm very receptive to almost all of those references. Exactly. Like, that's like what Stephen I mean. King is like a sixth of that series. Uh-huh. So like I get, you know, maybe those things just kind of like blow over my head, but it doesn't matter because I'm getting every, I'm picking up every other thing right. that they're putting down. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, and I guess I'm not having quite the same reaction to it that you are because when I, when that lady goes into the basement, she sees 600 pictures, paintings of the kid. I'm like, <laughs> That's creepy. You know, my mind goes to the the obsession uh-huh. uh, in the head of the painter rather than look how silly this doofus kid looks. Yeah, yeah. So, I like, I guess, I don't know. It's going to hit for different people in different ways. Well, I imagine it's like like Galaxy Quest. Was that the, the Tim, Tim Allen movie? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, for general audiences, I'm sure that was just an entertaining film. But if you're a big Star Trek fan, it's right. a whole other yeah. level. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like I'm enjoying this as kind of like this draw. And I'm not saying that the the atmosphere isn't entirely working. And but but maybe that's one of the reasons I'm not as big a Stephen King fan because I find that a lot of his stories are very heavy on the atmosphere, but they're not entirely satisfying. You know as a whole like a whole book like the experience of reading like the stand or the shining is 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 an experience that you like but did it all like did it all come together in the end did everything make sense Did all the allegory and did all that all build like like you're building all this dread and suspense and all that stuff and investment in the characters but then i don't know uh i i don't know i i honestly don't like like i'm i'm I see that it's a well-made show. Um, I know that it's loaded. Like, every single time I see, like, that moving truck had, like, uh, what, Get Out of Dodge moving? Like, that has, I mean, that has to be, like, a big famous Stephen King quote or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Right, it has to involve yeah. something. But, like, I don't, I just see it, and it's it's conspicuous, but I, I don't get the reference, and I feel like I'm a little bit outside of the in-joke. Yeah, I mean, if it's not, like, the most, uh, I don't think I've ever read a Stephen King book. So if right. it's not, like, the most obvious, like, pop culture assimilated right. Stephen King reference. I'm not going to get it. I, I notice, like, you know, if there's a title of a book or Jackie Torrance, obviously, yeah, like I've seen right. The Shining. Right. And uh, if you didn't get it before when she starts talking about the axe and the fireman, yeah, then <laughs> yeah. yeah, you start to understand. Uh, it, at, but at the end of, of, I think it's episode eight when uh, it starts with a W, what's the kids? What's Henry's kid's name? I don't. He's he Henry's kid. Warren, not Warden. Wyatt? I'm going to call him Warren. It's not Warren, but I'm going to call him that. Wilhelm. Uh, when he gets off the <laughs> Wolfgang. bus, Wolfgang. It's Wolfgang. Wolfgang. Yes. Uh, when Wolfgang gets off the bus, there is, he gets off the bus in Jerusalem's lot, which mm. is the title. Salem's of, lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just a shortened uh, Jerusalem's lot. So, mm-hmm. like, I get those very basic references and they do add color i'm like oh okay cool this is probably a pretty fucked up town too right uh but yeah i'm i i imagine for a big stephen king fan it's probably a whole nother level right and, just I, like, and yes. I, I wonder if also the hope is like how much of this is 
their actively being entertainment, what's going on, and how much of it is that they can see the promise to come. Like, oh my god, what if yeah, all yeah. this whole universe is interconnected and... Uh-huh. This is like exactly the same universes that I, that that Stephen King's already developed, which I think I think we talked about this, but I, I've I've gotten the impression that that King has over the years consciously tried to stitch the stories together into a narrative of like a cosmic good, like almost Cthulian yeah. good and evil struggle between like I'm not making this up. It's my understanding that the good guys like the cosmic turtle. And the bad guy that are the sounds... deadlights, or maybe the deadlights is the force behind the evil that's like manifested in the it, and you okay. know, like you've got Randall Flagg, which is general servant of evil, and several of them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but I, so I, I can see that would be that would be super cool. That like you see in your favorite author, that's write all these standalone books that have like tried to make it into a bigger King universe. And now this is something that's taking that and running with it. It's like, you know, if, if you were a big Cthulhu fan, uh, a big Lovecraftian mythos fan, and he's been dead for a hundred years. And now someone's coming around and writing new stories that are in its spirit and paying respect to it and all that. I can see that'd be really cool. Just I'm not in that set of audience. Where does his baseball novel fit into this? Stephen King has a baseball novel. <laughs> I guess so. Does yeah. he really? He's, he's done a couple of other weird, yeah, science right. project type things. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, like you got the Bachman books that are more, I guess, science fiction. Or I don't know what you would. Why? What, I don't know what, what you call the Bachman books, but yeah, they're different. They're not like like the Long Walk is. There's nothing supernatural about that at all. No, and it seems like a self running man thing. Is, there's nothing connect. supernatural about that at all. Right. That at all. It's it's it's. Um, I guess it would be science fiction, future fiction. Like I don't. What, historical fiction that hasn't happened yet because <laughs> mm. like you know it doesn't have to be science like i don't know what defines science fiction does it have to be take place in the future or does it have to have some kind of speculative thing to it i guess a long Good walk question. and running man would both be science fiction in that in that era then yeah um so i yeah i mean we've got two episodes to go uh my significant other is invested in it i'm gonna be watching it anyway so yeah i guess i don't mind coming back in two weeks and talking more about it but it's just uh, yeah i feel like we should at least d- do a wrap up and talk about our our closing thoughts on the season right. as a whole right uh you know even if it's like 10 minutes or something we'll right we'll talk about it one more time and it's like you know i could see the last two episodes being a real barn burner and bringing things together in a ways that makes me rethink how i thought about earlier stuff that i dismissed as silly or weird or not quite hanging together so i mean there's definitely been series that have been made not i mean maybe not made but definitely have been enhanced like i think of like the leftovers especially like i was really on board for the leftovers but when you got to the finale and the penultimate episodes it's just like damn it's like on another level so (laughs) if i'm like at a i'd say this show is like a b b minus for me so like with the right real exclamation point penultimate and, and finale episodes i could see this this improving quite a bit but yeah we'll see we got two more weeks uh i have a couple of real quick like uh production kind of things that i'm okay. curious about like d- did you the, the guy who's playing uh young alan Mm-hmm. Or very as young as a character played by Scott Glenn can ever get, right? Which right. is like mid forties, late. Yeah, I was going to say forties. They're born in the early fifties, <laughs> right? Uh, did you feel like that guy was maybe miscast? Because to me, he came across as looking and sounding way more like Terry O'Quinn than uh, Scott Glenn. Yeah, and, and I kept thinking, "Holy shit, is is that the young? Wait, who? Okay, who is Lacey again? Could he have been the police chief at the time? Wait, Panghorn? No, that's Alan. Mm-hmm. 
what the fuck is happening here? I was very confused by his whole look and demeanor. Who is the psychic girl? Uh, what's her name? Molly. The, Molly. Uh, I think they. Uh, the, I think they did an excellent job of casting young Molly. Like I remember watching her yes. like move, and yeah. when she's like, particularly that scene where she walked barefoot across to kill her uh-huh. father. I'm like, man, that is a really excellent job of casting a young Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I can I, I didn't think that organically, but I can see where you're coming from. I mean, Scott Glenn has like a, a gruffness in his voice. He's yeah. like a rough, surly kind of person. Plus, I don't think that guy doesn't have it. He has very much the Terry O'Quinn soft way of speaking. Not only that, but that was what I was about to say. Like, I think that he's not even doing a good John or John Glenn, a good Scott (laughs) Glenn impersonation. No, I I agree. And maybe that's the point that, like, this guy was a a relatively normal dude. It's it's kind of like, um, speaking of The Leftovers, when you see uh, uh, Kevin Garvey Sr. before the event, before the, the, the what do they call that in the, the show? Uh, the Happening. Yeah. Before the, before the Happening. <laughs> I uh, can't remember. Before the Departure. Yes, there you go. He's a much different character. Uh-huh. He's like, just a, seems like a really cool dude. I got like a, 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 a dad you'd be happy to have and like share a glass of wine with. And then he turns into a fucking, he turns into Castle Rock. Yeah. Uh, Scott Glenn after the departure and maybe they're suggesting that that like this you know him seeing the uh, the warden with the dude tied up in his trunk and then being <laughs> inducted into this secret society has twisted him and like I guess they're suggesting that with Matt uh, Matt Deaver and like you know the the the, the deaf guy scientist um mm. Who's dead now. Who's dead way. now, yeah. right. Screw. Got stabbed in the woods maybe by his interpreter buddy because we don't see him around. Is the interpreter we got guy? Scr- he, got, he got stabbed by a, with a screwdriver. Yeah. Wasn't that a... Right through his eye. Wasn't that... Didn't didn't we see the kid run around with a screwdriver earlier? We or, definitely saw... He got stabbed with a her. screwdriver by his, by a Hen- Henry Deaver's mom, right? Yeah, and she tried to open the safe with it, too. So the screwdriver was kind of in her possession-ish. Okay, because I was trying to think, like, did she... Did, did the kid... Did, did When she stabbed him, did it... Did it or maybe, Was it yeah. stuck in the kid at the end? I think she dropped it in that bathroom. Okay. And they do a close-up on it when she does. And right. I think maybe we're meant to infer that he took it if the kid left the house so so like if the kid's good and he's killing this deaf guy then that implies that these people that are hearing the voice of god are on the bad our team bad um i don't know because like they also said like of henry did like that one sheriff who's played by uh kathy durant from house of cards Yes, that's where she's from thank you um he was you know she's good this litany about him being the black death and all the things he's caused i I don't I, I I I don't know like that seems pretty that seems pretty damning mm-hmm. like it makes him out to be just like the kid only I don't but the kid likes Henry it seems like that they want to work together he's the kids wanting to work with him maybe there's a theory going going on out there that somehow the kid is Henry I mean it's just as plausible as him being Matthew I suppose okay yeah I mean <laughs> like sure. the ages don't line up their skin color doesn't line right. up who but cares on a, like, like a psychic cosmic yeah. frequency kind of way I guess that I could sort see of thing. that alright all maybe right. um, there's some evidence for that the the other production well, note like yeah are you having any trouble like hearing people in the series because I can't understand a damn word that anybody says I have to put close caption on only with this show exclusively with this show um, 
I've been watching. Uh, I've I've been typically watching with subtitles for a while now. Okay. So like I couldn't, but but you've got much better ears than I. So like if, but it's it's really hard, and especially when Sissy Spacek is doing her thing. Oh, because I was going to say that uh, Andre Holland, I feel like has is really kind of like letting the last of his lines drop off. Like yeah. like let the last of his lines drop off. I feel and... like the director encouraged that or something. No, I mean like, don't say every word here. We don't want them. It's a neat effect, but if you there's a way you can there's it's called compression. Yeah, you can you can have you can... people just speak at a dead whisper and a rasp, but yet it's clearly you know you people can hear it yeah and like sometimes i wonder like you know uh there's been times where i think you're su- like the voice that's the other thing i don't understand about subtitles is like there's been a couple times where i'm pretty sure that the voices are supposed to be indistinct mm-hmm. and sometimes you get to sub subtitles that says indistinct voices or whatever murmurs, but like a lot of yeah. murmurs but a lot of times like they'll just like uh you know, caption the shit that's going on in the background. And I'm like, well, is that in, yeah. in, important? Like, if mm-hmm. I wasn't watching, am I, am I missing vital clues to it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about the actual uh, axe murderer bed and breakfast. <laughs> yeah. That, that was kind of fun. I, I liked it. You say fun. I just, like, this, the, the tone of this show is beyond me. Yeah, Like, I'm not weird. sure if I'm supposed to be afraid. I'm not sure if this is, because that felt like, you know, every once in a while, like, on a, um, uh, on a Tales from the Dark Side or something like that, there'd be like a lighthearted one, you yeah, know. That, that it felt like what this was. Yeah, but I'm like, this is a ep- that like th- would this be in the middle of The Shining? Would this be in the middle of The Stand? Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's no humor in those books, but like a whole whole vignette of this hastily drawn sketch of a tenured professor that is insanely angry that his wife uh, cheated on him, and then these callow youths from uh, from far away that are cheating on their spouses are fuck- audibly fucking in his bed and breakfast, and he, I don't know, and they're wearing matching track suits. It just, I, I, I couldn't <laughs> take any of it seriously. I already got this gangly-looking... Yeah. You know, it looks like it looks like Herman Munster with like, it, you know what? It looks like this guy looks like Herman Munster from the Munsters walking out of his dress. He's he's full already dressed. But he hasn't done makeup yet. Uh-huh. Like we you know we need. OK, Herman, we need you. We need you. In the, we need you in makeup. It's going to be another three hours before you get your look. It's like he's wearing these big ill fitting things. and He's try, he's doing a hunch. Yeah. The shoulder hunch is it's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, that's the stuff that, like, I guess if you're picking up all that it's putting down, then you're having a different experience from me, because a lot of this stuff is just reading as as, as silly and, and funny, but I don't yeah. get from the show that I'm supposed to think that it's silly and funny. Anyway. I don't know, I found it, I found it silly and funny, mostly, like, it, it, yeah, I was tipped off when they called this woman Jackie Torrance, I was like, okay, well clearly they're winking into the camera here like right. this is this is not meant to be super scary serious time right uh and i, I don't know maybe juxtaposed with the other stuff that's happening with like henry in that episode you know mm-hmm. it's it's meant to be kind of the diversion mm-hmm. from from the other much more intense much more uh important stuff that's going on with henry right i wonder why because these are this is a one and done like that's a bo- like that's a bottle character these yeah. these um, bed and breakfasts uh, how is that going to advance the plot like obviously it's Henry is locked up in that basement uh-huh. uh, that's where the the warden kept all of his paintings of the boy but but it just feels like a lot of screen time that's not going to really go anywhere yeah uh, it could be. 
I don't know. All right. Uh, well, if you have feedback on anything that we've talked about today, you can send it to TV at baldmovement.com. Don't forget, we are starting our watch of season two of The Deuce, which I'm pretty excited about, uh, starting next week. Uh, if you've got any thoughts about that television episode on HBO, you can send it to TV at baldmove.com too. I'll sort it all out. We'll have feedback on it. And until then, I am Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you next week.